Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. Boilermakers look to bounce back in week two after a season-opening loss, and maybe they've got the right opponent in ross in FCS Indiana State. I'm Kyle Charters. Tom Deanhart is here. Ryan Newber by in a couple of minutes. Alan Karpik as well for the Golden Black Radio pregame show. The Boilermakers with a chance to build some momentum after the loss to Penn State last week. Indiana State this weekend at Syracuse, Florida Atlantic before back in the Big Ten, sort of an important stretch here, Tom, for the Boilermakers as they get back into it at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, I guess the one uh, positive of opening the year against, a, I guess, a, a quality opponent like Penn State, Kyle, is the fact it sort of lays bare, you know, maybe what your real fallacies are, what you need to work on. So Purdue got everything stripped down right away, right? Uh, right out of the gate, they, they, they got a good look at themselves, maybe some areas they need to tighten. And you can move forward and, and and begin to remedy those deficiencies. And like you said, it starts Saturday against an Indiana State team that, frankly, Kyle Purdue should win and and hopefully beat emphatically for the Boilermakers, right? You just don't want to squeak by here by, by 7, 10, 14 points. You'd like to uh, win with some panache, uh, with some style. And just, you know what, Kyle, just leave this game feeling good about yourself because uh, three of the next four after this game, are all on the road, beginning with that trip to Syracuse you alluded to. Yeah, it's sort of crazy to consider that after the game on Saturday, Purdue only has four home games the rest of the year, which seems That's- a little bit crazy for it being this early in the season. You you mentioned it. I mean, it, it feels like this week is sort of um, a cleanup week a little bit in some ways for Purdue, an opportunity to correct some of the mistakes that they made in week one. Too many penalties, too many missed tackles, maybe a missed opportunity or two on offense, uh, not enough of a running game, especially late in the contest. All of those things uh, add up for Purdue into um, a situation this week where they just want to make improvements themselves, regardless of who the opponent is. Yeah, I think you'd like to work on your ground game. I know, you know Purdue's never going to be a real physical, dominating and rushing offense under Jeff Brom, but you'd like to think you can maybe have your way physically at the line of scrimmage with an FCS school like Indiana state. Um, quick trivia for you, Kyle Purdue has not had a 100 yard rusher since December 5th, 2020 when Xander Horvath went over the century mark against Nebraska. So it's like a 15 game streak. Maybe they get a hundred yard rusher this week. And um, again, uh, I'm not sure how much you can really find out about yourself sometimes playing these type of opponents. Um, Maybe Aiden O'Connor can work on getting a little bit more sharp, Kyle. I really didn't think he had his A game, especially. You know, I was re-watching again this morning that last time they had the ball Thursday, and that pass to T.J. Sheffield on third and six, my goodness. Uh, if he leads him just a little bit more, uh, that's a first down game over probably. And, and you know what? He only hit 50% of his passes, so he'd like to see if he can sharpen his game up, his timing up with receivers. Uh, get Tyrone Tracy more involved, Kyle. Only two touches. 
on Thursday, and that really surprised me. Get Deion Burks involved. He had no targets at all. I thought he was going to be maybe a breakout guy this year. There's still time, of course. And defensively, like you said, maybe more than anything, tackling, right? Um, right before halftime, Cam Allen, Snoozy King, can't bring down the Penn State tight end. And, you know, uh, Reese Taylor missed a tackle on a 27-yard touchdown. And the last drive of the game when Penn State went in, Kyle, Reese Taylor missed another tackle that led to a long Penn State game that put them in the shadow of the Purdue end zone. So, again, uh, there were some killer missed tackles at this program, and this defense has got to get tightened up. Yeah, that one on Taylor, I think it was a 27-yard game that just, you know, as soon as that ball gets into Purdue territory, you're like, oh, boy. Yep. Oh, yep. boy, this is this is troublesome uh, here. And, yeah, I mean, the tackles were, were certainly uh, a problem for the Boilermakers that you'd like to see. The other thing defensively is probably a little bit more pressure, right? I mean, Purdue got a little bit of pressure late in that game, late in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter. They created some problems for Sean Clifford, but really wasn't enough from uh, the opening kickoff till the end of the game. Especially the money drive, Kyle. I mean, you, 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 you throw your defense back out there again, right? It's 31-28. You got you to stop Penn State one more time, right? And, and that, that's when you got to dial it up. And that was probably Sean Clifford's best drive of the game, Kyle. I think it was yeah. six or seven passing. Penn State didn't need to use a timeout. They drove 80 yards and eight plays largely unfettered. There, like you said, there was some pressure. There was only one sack. Scotty Humpage got it. So, yeah, you know, they, they were rotating a lot of bodies, Kyle trying to keep people fresh. And you saw sort of that, that pass rushing package utilized quite often where you had two Leos on the field, Kydron Jenkins and Scotty Humpitz trying to get an extra push. So there's work to do there. I think there's some potential, but yeah, I guess the lack of more pressure was something that really hurt Purdue, especially I thought in that fourth quarter and on that last drive in particular by Penn State. One bit of the good news coming out of the game against a physical Penn State team is that Purdue came out fairly healthy, right? I mean, nothing new from a uh, from an injury perspective. Probably still just need to get a few guys that have been, you know, nicked up just uh, another few days healthy. Yeah, Brock Thompson's maybe the, the main guy, Kyle. I think uh, everybody was in the stadium and saw him go down clutching and had his knee had to be helped off the field. It looked bad at the time. Of course, he came back in the game later. Um, sounds like he's going to be ready to go on Saturday. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe they don't need Brock too much to beat Indiana State, but I think for his confidence, uh, probably would do him some good to get back out there and make some plays. That's probably the biggest one, honestly, Kyle. I can't think of anybody else of note that suffered any injury uh, of note that would really impact their availability on Saturday. Much more to go on the show. We'll get Brian Hubert's perspective on uh, the Boilermakers entering week two. We'll also talk to Alan Karpik about games going on around the Big Ten and a historical perspective of this matchup. Uh, these teams have played before, including a really close game. I think, what, the second to last time they played that was interesting, to say the least. <laughs> we'll talk to him about that, I'm sure, and much more. First, though, let's uh, have Tom's conversation with Todd Golden, the sports editor for the Terre Haute Tribune Star. That's coming up next after... This weather update with WLFI meteorologist Lisa Montgomery. 
Hi there, this is Storm Team 18 meteorologist Lisa Montgomery with your Boiler Makers forecast. We're looking good as Purdue takes on Indiana State. We may have to dodge a few rain showers, though, at kickoff. Four o'clock, we're looking at temperatures at 82 with mostly cloudy skies and a few scattered showers possible. That's four o'clock for your drive home. We're looking at 63 degrees with mostly cloudy skies and a few scattered showers around as well. So take the rain gear. Hopefully we'll stay dry. It will be cloudy and mild. Again, temperatures in the 80s. On your way home, we should be in the 60s. Go Boilermakers! This is Storm Team 18 meteorologist Lisa Montgomery. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. One more action for opening night. Everyone can experience the thrill of Jaff King's early win promotion. Get up seven and you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GOLDANDBLACK to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code gold and black only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Heading to see the Boilermakers take on the Wisconsin Badgers on October 22nd. Sign up to win four tickets in an overnight stay at Sand Valley, a Midwest resort located just an hour and a half from Madison. Complimentary shuttle to the game is included. Visit sandvalleypursuits.com to enter. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. All right, pleased to be joined by Todd Golden, who covers Indiana State for the Terre Haute Tribune Star. And Todd, we appreciate you jumping on, my friend. And uh, big game this weekend, 4 p.m. kickoff in Ross State Stadium. The Sycamores come to Purdue. And just sort of to start with, Todd, give Purdue fans an idea of what to expect from the Indiana State offense. Well, offensively, they have a new quarterback, uh, Gavin Screws, who was uh, 16 for 30 against uh, in an overtime win over North Alabama. Um he they stuck with him he struggled at times uh you know he's he'll he'll come out of the pocket a little bit uh downfield throwing still very much uh, uh up in the air whether he can do that or not i should note that indiana state was missing their top receiver dante Hendricks in that game he should be back uh for saturday's game so that should help gavin out but indiana state basically uh much as Bill Mallory was when he was coaching at Indiana and other stops as the run first team under Kurt Mallory. Uh, T. Hodge, who's a Tennessee transfer, started uh, rushed for 78 yards in Indiana State's opener. Justin Dinka, who's a San Diego State transfer, uh, threw in 65 yards. So their passing game leaves a little bit to be desired at this point. Their blocking, uh, in terms of pass blocking, uh, leaves a bit to be desired, but they were able to run the ball effectively, and that's what they want to do. Whether they'll be able to do that against a Big Ten defense uh, obviously remains to be seen. 
Defensively, Todd, what can fans expect uh, on Saturday from the Sycamores? Uh, what do they like to do, and, and, and what's the, just, just the general scheme? Yeah, they run a straight 4-3, uh, which is a change from years past where they they ran a 3-4 with a with a pass rushing. They essentially was a 4-3 with, with a stand-up pass rusher. Now they have him in a down formation. So it's a true 4-3. Defense was the pleasant surprise of that game against North Alabama. They uh, set what we believe is a team record for sacks with eight sacks in the game. Unfortunately, Indiana State doesn't keep track of that record for some reason, but uh, they had eight sacks. Uh, gang tackling variety type ta- uh, type sacks. They had a lot of shared sacks. Um, uh, the defensive line, which is basically all new, uh, you know, gave a good account of themselves. Jeffrey Brown is the best defender on Indiana State. He's a middle linebacker. Uh, he had a role in 16 tackles against North Alabama, uh, including a half sack. So the secondary, which is what I think is really going to get tested by Purdue, um, is also inexperienced. They did okay on uh, in their in Indiana State's opener. Uh, had a couple of interceptions, uh, but that's going to be, I'm sure, what Purdue decides to probe is uh, Indiana State's cornerbacks and uh, and see what they can do against their safeties. Todd, obviously, Indiana State's going to come to West Lafayette with heavy hearts. Had mm-hmm. uh, had a couple football players, three students overall, lose their life in an automobile accident. Um, just talk about maybe how you think that will impact the game from an Indiana State perspective. And, and then overall, Todd, how you see this game unfolding on Saturday? Yeah, I think the accident occurred so, you know, early before the season began that it kind of afforded them the chance to, you know, in a coping mechanism type of way, kind of turn to football to block out their emotions about, um, you know, about the tragedy that happened. And when I say that, I don't mean they, forgot about it they just had something to distract them from you know the pain of what happened in that car accident um i think that will continue with purdue um i think it's going to be trouble i think this is going to hit them more when when they get to a bye week later on this month but for now they've been able to focus on football uh in the sense that a tragedy like that can unify the team i suppose i hate to sound trite to say that but it does work that way as far as the game itself, I mean, Purdue obviously is going to be motivated after their near miss against Penn State. Um, I think Purdue's offense is going to give Indiana State trouble. It's an FCS versus FBS matchup. That's always difficult for the FCS team, even good ones, much less teams that are trying to get better like Indiana State. I mean, I would see Purdue, you know, probably winning by, you know, a 20 to 30 point margin, maybe more. Um, that's what's typical with these matchups. So, um, but we'll see. I mean, Indiana State has been competitive in games at Purdue in, recent, in, in their last two matchups there. So you never know, but obviously you'd, you'd favor Purdue in this one. Should be interesting. Purdue's 12-0 and all-time against FCS slash 1AA opponents. And like you said, Todd, the Sycamores have been a frequent uh, opponent, and, and they have come close in the past, like you said, uh, to pulling the upset. So we will see how it all unfolds Saturday. Todd, we appreciate you stopping by and dropping some knowledge on us, sir. You bet. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. 
because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event at the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill and Downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers and the Sycamores, who will play at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, none of you can see it since it's a podcast, but <laughs> Brian with his new computer over there is, is giving me all sorts of uh, sorts of filters, including the shades at the moment. That is a that is a good look, Brian. You look that is fantastic. You gotta start doing I the- make this. What's the line in, in Men in Black? The difference between you and me is I make this look good. Yeah. You got to put those shades on like that for the Saturday simulcast or whatever, Saturday conversation, whatever you guys call it. Um, <laughs> which is, which we is, we call it something different every week. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that worked. All right. Uh, we'll try to concentrate here for a couple of minutes. Um, I might have to stop looking at the screen. Uh, so Purdue and, and Indiana State, uh, Boilermakers against an FCS, does this game matter? Does anything that happens on Saturday matter? Uh, yes and no. I mean, obviously you want positive things to happen. You want to play well. You want to work on yourself. But the reality is that whatever happens in Indiana State, it's not relevant context to what's going to happen against Wisconsin, you know, things like that. Um, so obviously – you want to win the, the game. You should win the game. You want to get better at some of the things that you need to get better at. And I think the good thing about playing Penn State right away is that it kind of lays all those things bare right away. Um, you're forced immediately to confront the things that, you know, might be your shortcomings. Whereas if you open against an Indiana State and you run for 150 yards, um, which Purdue could do this weekend for all we know, Um then all of a sudden it looks like your running game is all hunky-dory when in reality Penn State showed you that there are some limitations there. So I think this week is about kind of cleaning up some things that you need to clean up, um, preferably getting a lot of guys in the game. Obviously, you don't you, you don't want to go into any football game expecting, okay, we're going to play 70 guys because we're going to be able to. Um, 70 is a big number, 55. Yeah. Um, but it is a good chance just to, you know, get game reps, so to speak. Uh, you don't want to take anybody lightly. I mean, I think you saw in week one, um, a lot of chaos around college football. Was it Old Dominion that beat Virginia Tech? Yep. Uh, Iowa couldn't score a touchdown against North Dakota State. There's just all sorts of outcomes out there that should serve as cautionary tales to every major program out there facing a game like this. Um, but Purdue ought to be able to win this game comfortably and, and uh, you know, 
hopefully for its sake, uh, feel pretty good about itself coming out of it. Don't you take all three of these next games sort of as a package deal? Like if, if Purdue wins all three, which you would, you would think that it would be favored in all three, I guess the line next week could be fairly close against Syracuse, but if Purdue wins all three, then it has done what it should do here in the opening month, maybe slips up a little bit, obviously against Penn state in a game that, that maybe be maybe a couple plays go here or there could have gone the other direction. But if you win the next three, it tells you a little bit something about Purdue. Of course, if you lose one or more of them, it also tells you a little bit of something about Purdue. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not um, going to downplay the, uh, I guess that Syracuse game as one that, you know, Purdue is, you know, or, going to be a major major favorite in it might be i don't know but look what syracuse just did to louisville who's yeah. you know not great this year probably but also not an fcs you know um quote-unquote cupcake either i mean i i think syracuse uh what they did last weekend should have purdue on high alert not that purdue would be on high alert um wouldn't be on high alert anyway maybe i should say purdue fans on high alert um you know Going on the road, uh, you know, there's some inherent challenges in that as, you know, Purdue Lunder a few years ago going to Nevada, uh, things like that. Um, so I wouldn't look past that one. If you can get that one now and you win these next three, you should beat FAU at home. You should beat Indiana State at home, obviously. So two and one is your absolute floor here, I would have to think. Um, three and oh, very realistic, but not a guarantee. I think if you go three and oh and you know, end up starting the season three and one. I think you're in, you're in a decent spot with the, with the uh, annual caveat that, you know, Purdue should get better. I think college football teams should get better as they play. And I think the fact, again, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep beating this drum. The fact you played Penn State in Week One, I think, you'd love to win that, won that game. But now that you haven't, uh, the silver lining is that is something that can really. I guess um, incubate improvement uh, because incubate. How about that word? Good. Um, because I think that, uh, as I said before, it really takes your limitations as a football team and really shines a spotlight on them. Thanks, Brian. Those are nice shades. You should try to wear them all the time. No problem. I'll probably wear them this weekend on our podcast. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Brian. See all right. Let's take let's take a break. We'll come back uh, with more. This is Golden Lock Radio. Eat pizza and support a Boilermaker student-athlete. Try the Aiden's Air Raid at AZ Pizza this September to support Aiden O'Connell and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Aiden even stole one out of the AZ playbook with the addition of Grippo's potato chips on top of his signature creation. Visit azippizza.com. That's A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A dot com. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765 587 31 what else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. 
It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Karpik to talk some Big Ten football in week two, five games that we are looking out outside the game in West Lafayette between the Boilermakers and the Sycamores. All right, uh, Alan, let's take a look at a few of these. There are not a whole lot of great games on the slate this weekend, though there are a couple of good ones that we'll be paying attention to. Duke at Northwestern uh, this weekend, new kickoff on Saturday. Northwestern favored by 10 points. This is the Wildcats' first game since the victory against Nebraska and Ireland uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, now, I thought Northwestern looked better in that game. Certainly, you know, offensively, it was much better. Maybe this is a Northwestern team that, you know, as it sort of goes here uh, recently with Pat Fitzgerald is, is good in the even-numbered years and really bad in the odd-numbered years. Maybe that will, in fact, hold the form again this year with the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's um, Northwestern is, like you said, it's every other year. They, I'm a big believer in Pat Fitzgerald. They've cha- been challenged by Duke in the past. You know, Duke gets off to 30 to nothing, went over Temple and have a first-year coach. But, you know, I'm not a line better. That line seems a bit much, but uh, but really maybe Northwestern really approved it was something by that game in Dublin just because everybody thought, not everybody, but a lot of people thought Nebraska would uh, pull it together and get the job done. So uh, it certainly would do a lot for Northwestern to launch it on the early start of the season and and uh, whether that makes them a contender on the West, maybe not just yet, but uh, they are maybe by definition just the fact that they beat Nebraska in game one. Three thirty or, or week zero, I should week say. Zero. Yeah, get it right. Uh, yeah, three thirty kick on Saturday. Washington State, which is one and zero, it had to hang on. Literally got an interception on the goal line with twenty three seconds left against Idaho last week to get its victory. Uh, travels to number nineteen, Wisconsin. The Badgers favored by seventeen and a half points. Graham Mertz looked better last week than what he had really probably at any point last season. Now the competition wasn't very good. Uh, but perhaps, man, if he looks again like what he did those first few games that he played a couple of years ago, uh, Wisconsin, you know, takes another step forward, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, and there's no question that you look at him and say that uh, he's the key one would think to, to them doing. And when he goes, when he has an efficient game, and of course, you know, it almost looks like that first game against Illinois, you go 14 for 16 as a team. Uh, they ran the ball well enough also. Um, I don't know if Wazoo can, you know, everybody thinks that that could be a game because we don't know maybe Wazoo's not as bad as they showed in that first uh, game. But certainly uh, Braylon Allen is a guy that's going to be, looks to be the next one in that uh, line. He's already kind of started to show that in the last half of last year and had 148 yards in week one. So I, I look for Wisconsin to roll here. Four o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, maybe this is the the big game. Certainly an intriguing game. Iowa State playing at Iowa. Uh, the Hawkeyes favored by three and a half points, which is almost as many points as they got in safeties last week. Uh, the over under <laughs> in this game, by the way, is only forty and a half, which is crazy for a college football game. Only forty and a half. You don't see that very often. Man, Iowa was really really bad offensively yet still found a way to get a victory it will have to be better against the cyclones this week to get a win 
Well, they may still in, in use the safety offense again. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Iowa State was hard, almost impossible to tell how long uh, or how good they were when they're 42-10 went over southeast Missouri. And it, conversely, is Iowa can't be that bad offensively, uh, or can it? I, I don't know. There's all the, all the nepotism talk this week and what Brian Ferentz should uh, have to go through uh, because his dad's letting him keep his job. Whether that's reality, I don't know, but surely makes for it makes for an interesting game in a week that there aren't all that many interesting games. Illinois hosting Virginia at four o'clock on Saturday. Uh, throw this one in here, not because it's all that exciting, but because it's uh, expected to be a close game. Illinois favored by four and a half. And he really thought that the Fighting Illini had a chance to get off to a good start to the season and really show that they were making some progress in the second year under Brett Bielema, and then they. Then they lost at Indiana last week in a game that, you know, maybe they didn't get very many calls, but they certainly didn't make the plays at the end that they needed to uh, to get the victory. So, you know, we'll see here with Illinois. This feels like a, a must-win game of sorts for the Illini if they are to have any chance at all uh, to feel like, you know, they could get to six wins, which seems unlikely, but at least make some progress maybe up into the four or five win category this season. Yeah, they're just an impossible team to predict. I mean, you go, you think go back to last year and they go and win at Penn State. I mean, and yet they look as awful as you can get in a lot of other situations. You know, Tommy DeVito's uh, uh, completing his share of passes, of two thirds of his passes, only four TDs and one pick. But uh, and Chase Brown's been really good early on. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Illinois. I think that's and I think the uniform colors are going to be similar, right? So that uh, <laughs> that'll be a good thing. It'll be hard to tell the difference between the two. Virginia also another program that uh, is trying to make its way up in the ACC. But I'm a little surprised Illinois is a favorite the way they are. I guess you got to pick. Uh, it, it just isn't a uh, Illinois. Just seems to be a team that's still a ways away from from competing week in week out. If they ever do under Brett Bielma. All right. Uh, I just want to mention the Michigan-Hawaii game. Not that we're going to talk about it a lot at, at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Michigan-Hawaii is bad. They don't even have a home field, for one thing, even though they played two games at home this year. Um, they played on a high school field. The the place got condemned, their field. Like, it yeah. didn't, you know, just, you kind of have a lot to go there. The line on this game is Michigan minus 51 and a half. Hello. Wow. Um, yeah. that's crazy. And then the over under is 67. So they must be predicting like a final of, of 60 to seven. Crazy. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Idaho Indiana game. These two teams played, uh, last year. They'll play again at eight o'clock on Saturday in Bloomington. The Hoosiers won last year, 56 to 14, even though they really didn't do much offensively, they still scored 56 points. I think this could be a closer game. The Vandals have a new coach. An assistant who came over from North Dakota State, uh, which is obviously a, a really good FCS program. I don't think that Idaho is going to win the game, but I think that Indiana does have to play well in this game if it wants to continue some of the momentum that it picked up last week. Yeah, and it was a big win for Indiana just because uh, I, I think everybody was kind of writing them off, even though Illinois – uh, yeah, you know, Illinois just isn't good. We as we mentioned, but you know, if Idaho can hang on to the football and uh, and uh, do what they did 
a little bit against Wazoo. They they kind of dink and dunk their way to what they're what they're getting about done. Um, Indiana just isn't very good. Well, I think we all understand that, but uh, I think Indiana. Uh, uh, you know, we'll get the job done. I don't know that they win by as much as they did that 42 point spread, but uh, they'll beat Idaho handily, I think, in this one, another night game at Memorial Stadium. That is the Big Ten Roundup for week two. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical view of this matchup Purdue against Indiana State, the FBS versus the FCS for Purdue. Though teams do lose these games occasionally, Purdue is 12-0 all-time against the lower division. That does include some contest against Indiana State. I guess the question is, even though there are some of these on the schedule in the future, I don't know. How, how much longer do you think these things will last with everything that is changing in the college football landscape these days? You know, that's your I produce schedule, I think, to play Indiana State twice is 2024, 2026, not twice in one year, but twice, twice, <laughs> twice. And, and then Western Illinois in there somewhere. And you're right. Uh, uh, it, it is. Uh, I think it's really up in the air now, especially with these uh, the billion dollar contract, as we call it. Um, uh, I just think there will be less premium for these types of games and, and they're going to be in jeopardy, I would think. One of these games was the highlight of the 2013 season, Alan. Purdue got <laughs> a victory, a victory against uh, Indiana State, and it took a Ricardo Allen interception. There are two things that are memorable about that game to me. Purdue uh, had the ball first and goal at the one, and I don't know how many plays it took, but for some reason Purdue used Dalen Dawkins as its goal line back. It took him, a, I feel like, like seven times to try and score yeah. the one against the Sycamores. It finally did get in the end zone. And then, of course, uh, Rico Allen's uh, interception that sort of sealed the game. Had he not picked that ball off, maybe Purdue loses. It goes over the season there in 2013. Wow. Uh, but Purdue has had other highlights against Indiana State uh, over the years, too. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I the 2013 game is about as forgettable as one could get. You know, it was on the heels of uh, Purdue, all the hype of the Cincinnati game, and Purdue got drubbed in that game. But they did, like you said, hung on to win uh, 20 to 14 in that one, uh, and that was uh, was just an underwhelming performance, uh, to say the least. You started to get your idea that uh, things were. Things were starting to go wrong with that offense, even though Rob Henry was the quarterback. And anyway, I don't want to get back into that stuff too deep. But 1990, a memorable game because it was the first time Purdue had played Indiana State in a long time. First time the, that uh, the Sycamores had come to Ross 8 as part of the Division One AA, now FCS. And a Purdue wrestler score, catches a touchdown pass, Danyasha Yetz who Fred Akers brought in kind of as a walk-on. He's a fleet guy, thought he could run it around a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he ever caught another pass after that. He might have. But uh, Eric Hunter, the quarterback, the late Eric Hunter, Purdue wins that game relatively easily, uh, but struggled a little bit in that one as well, not as much as you thought. Another great, interesting, uh, memorable game in the Purdue-Indiana State Series was the throwback jerseys 2006 and the most remarkable thing of that game or, or memorable thing, unfortunately, was for Tory Williams' uh, season-ending injury in that game in a 60-35 to 35 Purdue win. So that's about as far as I can go, Kyle, with Purdue-Indiana State uh, and relevance. Yeah, cool uniforms like they, they say. I liked them. I liked them, yeah. 
But then also, was it 2015 that they did the anthracite uh, grays with the red, white, and blue white helmets with the red, white, and blue uh, motion P? Was that 2015? That might have been, but I've slept since then, and I can remember stuff 30 years ago a heck of a lot better than I can (laughs) seven years ago. But you may be right on that one. I think that is right to know that uh, Daryl Hazel and company. We have too many Daryl Hazel mentions in this. uh, uh, But, uh, yes, he. I think think you're right, come to think of it, that 38 to 14 uh, win against – uh, the the sycamores back in September, I think it's September, uh, first weekend of September in, in 2013 or 2015, I should say. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks so much, Kyle. That's a historical look at Purdue and Indiana State. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. AZ Pizza is teaming up with Aiden O'Connell on the Aiden's Air Raid Pizza all September long. Aiden likes his AZIP loaded with barbecue, pulled pork, peppers, and Grippo's potato chips. AZIP is owned by former walk-on football player Brad Niemeyer with locations in Lafayette, Evansville, Indianapolis, and more. Check it out at AZIPPizza.com. A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A.com. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, let's bring back in Tom Deanhart and talk a little bit of uh, matchups for Purdue and Indiana State. Before we get to that, of course, this has been, uh, Tom, a very uh, difficult uh, season already for uh, the Sycamores with the car accident that took a couple of football players' lives there in Terre Haute, three people uh, all together, and then, of course, Omarion Dixon, who is a, a freshman running back for the Sycamores and a graduate of, of Harrison High School, my alma mater, involved in that accident as well and recovering. Man, that has been really difficult. It will be good to see this weekend. Purdue have a tribute, a moment of silence uh, for all of those involved. That has been uh, a tough, to say the least. Man, it's uh, quite a tragedy. Oh, yeah. Last August, um, I mean, the, the words can't describe it, Kyle. And um, it's got to be tough for that program, that school, that community to, to convalesce from this, if you ever really do. So, yeah, they'll come to Indiana State, will come to West Lafayette with heavy hearts. Like you said, Purdue will honor the, the, the those who perished with a moment of silence. And there's a Purdue connection, too, Kyle. One of the football players who died for Indiana State was a high school teammate of true freshman Purdue tight end Charlie Kenrich at Lakota East High School in Ohio. They both graduated this last year and, and went their separate ways. So, yeah, the, the impacts are numerous. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be an emotional uh, few, few minutes in, in ross Eight Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, on another a tie to Purdue, though, this one a, a good one, uh, Ethan Trent, of course, the younger brother of Tyler Trent, uh, a commitment uh, to play at uh, Indiana State next year, a center for Carmel. So sort of an interesting tie there. Man, it's quite a journey that Ethan Trent has made to turn himself into such a good football player. So we will be able to see him continue that journey with Indiana State. Let's take a turn and, and talk uh, a little bit of football here in some of these matchups. We know the Sycamores, Tom, want to be able to rush the football. Uh, of course, you would have to hope that Purdue – 
at the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage, but particularly with uh, Purdue's defensive line, some of the strength that it has there, would be able to make this really difficult on Indiana State. Yeah, you'd think so with the depth Purdue has on its D-line. They should be able to control the, the Sycamore offensive front, you'd like to believe, Kyle. And this is an Indiana State team coached by Kurt Mallory, the youngest son of the late Bill Mallory, of course, a longtime Indiana coach. And much like Bill Mallory's teams in Bloomington, Kyle, this one wants to pound you with the with the run game. And they got a couple transfer running backs, one from Tennessee, one from San Diego State. We got off the nice starts last week. So you got to think they're going to come out and try to establish the ground game against Purdue's defense. And the Boilermakers got to be ready and, and try to obviously mute that and get that Sycamore offense and some passing downs for their first-year starting quarterback to try to read coverages and make decisions on third and longs. I think the one thing you want to see for Purdue offensively, right, is just it click a little bit better. You sort of made mention of that earlier. It didn't seem like Aiden O'Connell was completely dialed in for game one. It certainly didn't help that Purdue uh, dropped, what would you say? They probably dropped three to five passes. I don't know if you have the uh, the total number on that. They dropped a number of passes. Maybe just a little bit uh, in a little bit better sync offensively in the game on Saturday. Yeah, there were four drops officially, two by Tyrone Tracy. I know, of course, Brock Thompson had the one key drop, and then TJ Sheffield had a drop as well. So, yeah, you got to get those things cleaned up. And like you said, you'd like to see Aiden O'Connell work on his timing a little bit. And, uh, again, I think established the ground game. We talked about that off the top, right? King Drew, I thought, had a nice effort out of the gate. But again, against an inferior opponent like this, you'd like to think a Big Ten opponent, a Power Five opponent, could have its way and rush for 100, 150, maybe 180 yards against these guys on Saturday. Yeah, you certainly hope so. All right, prediction time, Tom. Uh, who you got and by how many? I got 48 to 13 Boilermakers. Purdue Kyle is given 35 points. It's funny, they just gave 35 points last year to Connecticut, Kyle, and they covered in a 49 to nothing win. Again, minus 35, Boilermakers. I got them winning 48 to 13. I think they call off the dogs, clear the bench, and let some of the younger players, more inexperienced players, get on the field on, on set, late Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. That's crazy. That's what the line is, because that's uh, even before I knew that, that that's my prediction. I'm very close to what you have as well. I've got the Boilermakers 45 to 10. Over Indiana State, I think that Purdue just has way too much offensively. And that defensive line against, you know, a team that wants to run uh, should have some advantages there. Now, FCS teams do beat FBS teams. It does happen. Uh, even Power oh, yeah. 5 teams lose occasionally. There's already been two teams. I think William and & Mary and, and Delaware have both won yep. uh, uh, this year. Delaware. Uh, yeah. And well, William Mary – now, now, the last time the Big Ten team was lost to FCS was 2016. Iowa lost, I believe, to North Dakota State, and Northwestern lost to Brock Spack's Illinois State Redbird. So it's been a few years, but, yeah, even the Big Ten has succumbed to these FCS schools. you got to be careful. Yeah, I think there were five power five. I don't have it in front of me right now. Five power five teams that lost last year. Vanderbilt lost. Arizona lost to Northern Arizona, I think. And a couple other I, 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 I think Washington got beat by Montana or Montana State. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So it does happen. I don't think that this is a matchup in which it will happen. I think the Boilermakers have too many advantages here and will uh, we'll get a victory and move on to what will be a huge game 
in my opinion, the following week against a Syracuse team that looks uh, a little bit more improved, maybe, or a little bit better than what we had. Either that or Louisville is just really bad, which is also possible. All right, Tom. Uh, Syracuse has got yeah. – Syracuse has UConn this week. I don't think they that much of a test. They'll be ready for Purdue. Yeah. All right, Tom, thank you. Take care, buddy. All right, that'll do it for the podcast uh, for this week. We do appreciate you listening, appreciate the uh, support from sponsors – as well, if you like the podcast, be sure to rate us five, five stars. Give us a, a comment as well. All right, for Tom, Dean Hart, Brian Hubert, and Alec Garpick, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.